you do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. Let every nation know, whether it wishes us well or ill, that we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe, to assure the survival and the success of liberty. What up, what up? This is your boy Rob Clark welcoming you to the 22 November Network. Get ready for another exciting edition of the Lone Gunman Podcast featuring me. That's right, your boy Rob Clark coming at you. Stay tuned. Be right there. Welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? This is your boy, Rob Clark. We're here on the Lone Gummin Podcast for episode number 41. I hope everyone out there had a very, very good uh, New Year's rockin' Eve. I uh, know I didn't do anything. Uh, I stayed in, and I think I was in bed by 1030. But such things happens when you get older, and you care less about getting uh, hammer-timed and and things of that nature, you know, you have kids, eh, you know, whatever. It's just another day in my book. And much like Christmas, you know, it's one day off and then back to business. So, not a big deal in my neck of the woods, but hopefully uh, 2014 was a good year for everybody. And 2015 is going to be awesome, bigger and better than ever for everybody out there involved. Today, for episode number 41... We're going to talk a little bit about Harvey and Lee. Now, I'm probably going to have a hell of a lot more questions than I am answers for you guys. And, uh, you know, for for the real experts on the case, I would recommend uh, going to check out on Black Op Radio, the archive section, the seven-part John uh, Armstrong interviews. Uh, he, he is the author of the book, Harvey and Lee. Uh, he is the man behind the idea of Harvey and Lee. Um, but, I mean, he's not the first one to, uh, you know, to suppose that there were two. But uh, he, he, he took it further than anybody else did. And his body of research, available at the Pogue Library, even online at Bay- from Baylor University, is intense. 
and it's immense. And you know, it's, it's his life. It's his lifelong work. So, for anybody who wants to hear straight from the horse's mouth, uh, if you don't have the book, if you haven't read the book, uh, head over to Black Hop Radio in the archive section and check out uh, the John Armstrong interviews. Also, coming up on the Dallas Action very, very soon, my buddy Doug Campbell's podcast, The Dallas Action, he is going to have uh, who I believe to be uh, the, uh, I guess he's, he's taken up the mantle for John Armstrong as far as Harvey and Lee goes. He, you know, he's very knowledgeable on the subject. Uh, he's good with the documents, and that is David Josephs. I mentioned him on this podcast before. He is a researcher of note. I think he's doing good things. He's a good researcher. He, he uh, you know, he sticks, he, he sticks with the documents, and he goes where they take him. And you can check out a couple of his articles over on ctka.net. Uh, just search for uh, David Josephs. He had a, I know he had a series on there about uh, Oswald in Mexico City. Um, but yeah, so stay tuned for that coming up on the Dallas Action. He's going to have David Josephs on his show. Now me, I'm not, I'm not an authority by any means. I am uh, not an expert by any means. I did plunk down almost $300 for the book uh, some years ago when it was very, very rare uh, you know, off of Amazon but it can now be purchased, I believe if you go to harveyandlee.net uh, for 80, I think it's 85 bucks I, I believe uh, you can pick up a copy of the book for yourself uh, and I'm not sure how the new book is working i'm sure it's the same as the old one it's it comes with a excuse me it comes with a uh a cd that has uh all the accompanying documents and photographs and everything on it uh so basically you know you can read the book and if you if you run into something that you want to check out further you know write it down you head over to the uh the cd the cd rom pop it in your computer and you can pull up documents and uh and photographs and everything like that. And that is on harveyandlee.net. Okay, that is a site run uh, for John Armstrong uh, supporting his book. It's got a lot of his writings on there. And because he, he has written a lot of uh, shorter articles than his book uh, concerning Harvey and Lee. Um, uh, I think his newest one was on Ruby, about there being a double Ruby. Uh, one of them, I think he was from uh, the New York area. But he had the same name, Jacob uh, Rubenstein or Jacob or Jack Rubenstein. I, I'm not sure, but it, it's a very, very informative article, and I, I checked it out when I was doing my stuff on Ruby. Um, so let's get right, right down to it. Uh, Harvey and Lee. There are staunch believers in the Harvey and Lee scenario. And there are staunch opposers to the theory of Harvey and Lee. And, <clears throat> excuse me, where I fall on it, because I have, I have the book, I've read the book, um, you know, I, I can understand the conclusions, how they were drawn, uh, you know, because, of course, people supposed that there was an Oswald double Okay, or somebody impersonating Oswald in the months leading up to the assassination. 
maybe in Mexico, maybe in Dallas. Um, but John Armstrong takes it all the way back to grade school. Okay? You know, and it's hard to argue with the documents. Okay? When you have, when you have two sets of school records for two different places, you know, that are overlapping in time. When you have employment records, you know, from, from when Oswald was a teenager. When you have employment records uh, overlapping in different cities and you have him working at Fister or Dental Lab when he's already supposedly joined the Marines, um, it's hard to argue with the documents. And, you know, to, to the people, that, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things you can either get lost in, get lost in the Harvey and Lee rabbit hole, you know, you can follow it down to the bottom, but a lot of people choose to just totally dismiss the whole idea because they don't even want to go there. You know, they, they immediately dismiss it as a kook, a kook idea, you know, that is on the fringes, you know, whatever, whatever. But for me personally, even if there isn't or wasn't a Harvey and a Lee, you know, two separate people leading two separate parallel lives, you know, possibly using the same name. Uh, one one being like to call Harvey, and one being like to call Lee. You know, even if you don't believe that, John Armstrong's book and his research is invaluable to the JFK research community, and that is for certain. You know, then you get to the question of okay. Well, if it's not a Harvey and it's not a Lee and it's not two separate people, then what exactly are we looking at here? Well, there's also a theory out there that there was some false documents created uh, by our government who... Okay, let me, let me figure out how to put this. They were created by the government when they decided... Uh, to send Lee Harvey Oswald to Russia as a false defector. So that when people started looking into his background, okay, it'd be hard to actually, you know, pinpoint exactly where this dude was at and when and what he was doing. You know, also, it would also, if any of this information, the actually, you know, the wrong information popped up on any intelligence radar you know they would know that they, had, that they had a mole, and they would they would be able to trace the documentation back uh, to whoever was the mole, you know whoever was selling information to the Soviets. So you can see it's a very very convoluted subject. Um, and of course when you have a Harvey and a Lee, two separate kids, you need to have two separate mothers. Two the two Marguerite theory, okay is also very intriguing. And when you look at, you know, the addresses of where they lived and where she was working at the times, and, you know, you look at this, uh, I don't know, I, I would probably describe her as a rather uh, tall, attractive lady uh, in her early years. And then she morphs into this... Uh, Short, uh, fat, uh, you know, kind of frumpy looking woman. Um, 
you know, it's just, it's, it's very odd how somebody within, say, five years could go from looking a certain way to, uh, you know, basically shrinking and gaining a lot of weight. And for those people who say, oh, no, Marguerite, you know, didn't shrink. You know, well, Marina, I think, was like five foot tall. Okay, something, something to that effect. And, you know, in, in some of the pictures, you know, Marguerite, you know, and some of them looks even shorter than Marina, like 4'11", you know, something like that. And when, we, when you compare a picture of that with her standing next to, uh, you know, I think it was Edwin Ekdahl, uh, you know, who claimed to be, you know, I think it was like 5'11", 6 foot tall, you know, she's almost right up there with him. You know, I'm sure she has heels on and all that, but it's hard to explain away the discrepancies and the differences of, of the two Marguerites and... You know, one one doing a lot of living in, in Louisiana and New Orleans, and one doing a lot of living in Texas and Dallas and Fort Worth. Um, it's very, 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 very odd. And we have, uh, you know, people like John Pike, who was Oswald's older, older brother, you know, that, that claimed in the, the famous picture that of, uh, you know, a young, you know, a very young Lee Harvey Oswald at the Bronx Zoo. That he doesn't recognize that kid and doesn't know who that is. It's not his brother. Okay? And when you line up the pictures that are supposedly from the exact same time period. Okay? In Lee Harvey Oswald's life. You know, like when he's in the Marines. And then he's home on leave at Robert's house. And there's pictures taken. You know, he doesn't look like a Marine. Okay, Marines have a very, very distinct look, a very distinct haircut. Um, it's very, very odd, very odd. And, and you know, at, at a glance, at a glance, you know, you could say that they're the same person. But when you really, really start looking at it, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> the chins are different, the necks are different, um, the eyes are different. And, you know, if you're to take half of a picture that's supposed to be of Lee Oswald and compare it, you know, I'm talking like, okay, earlier Oswald, people that, things that we know with Lee, okay, like when he first joined the Marines, and you compare it to a picture of the man arrested in Dallas, and you put half of his face together, you know, the, the features that don't match up. And it's the damnedest thing you ever saw. And, and and you try to figure out and you try to quantify how in the hell, if they pulled this off, how did they fool the family? How did they fool Robert Oswald? How did they fool John Pike? Okay. How did they fool Marguerite Oswald? Well, here's a theory. And this one is totally mine. Okay. So... We know with the Oswald brothers, okay, there's a bit of an age gap between them, uh, with John Pike being the oldest, and then we have Robert Oswald, and then we have Lee, okay? Now, John Pike was probably a good a good 10 years older than Lee. Robert, I think, was four or five and I don't even ever know if they were in the same schools 
as each other at the same time. I don't believe so. But, you know, when, when Robert, well, well, John left a long, a long time. As soon, you know, as soon as he was old enough to join the force or join the armed forces, he's out the door. As soon as Robert Oswald is old enough to join the armed forces, he's out the door. Okay. And as soon as Lee was old enough to join the armed forces, he's out the door. Okay. But let's go back a little bit. So when John Pike leaves uh, home to go into service, you know, Lee Oswald would have been probably, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, something like that. He's a kid. Okay. He's a little kid. And as you know, kids change in their appearance as they get older, you know, and so when Robert Oswald leaves to go into service, okay, Lee is like, you know, 11 or 12 years old, still a kid, still hasn't hit puberty yet, okay, now, the big thing is, and I'm not sure to get into all the specifics of, of when John and Robert you know, would have came home for to visit on a leave and would have seen Lee. I don't know that. What I'm supposing is, you know, there was big gaps in time, you know, between when Lee saw Robert and John Pike saw Lee and, and all of this nonsense was going on. And, you know, Lee gets out of the Marine Corps, okay? And he comes back. And, well, no, let's back up a little bit. There was a Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, it was a year before. It was a year before the assassination. So, yeah, this would have been right as Lee was getting back from Russia. Because he had Marina with him and they had the baby, baby June. And nobody had seen Lee Oswald, okay, for three or four years because you have to remember when Lee got out of the Marine Corps in California on his hardship discharge, he was only sliding through, uh, Texas or Louisiana for like three days. And then he was on a boat and he was gone to go defect. And I don't even know if you ever saw his mother or his brother at, at that point in time. And so, you know, we, we, they, his own family doesn't see him for three or four years. So the person that comes back from Russia, okay, is, is who John suspects is, is Harvey and not Lee. Okay. Now I know we're getting into some crazy, crazy stuff here. And it's, like I said, it's a very hard idea to wrap your head around and it requires you to do a research you know I can't sit here and convince you uh, of this idea unless you read it for yourself you see the evidence for yourself you see the documentation for yourself uh, and like I said John Armstrong can explain it a hell of a lot better than I can David Josephs can explain it a hell of a lot better than I can this is just a layman's view of the whole Harvey and Lee scenario through my eyes.
Because even if it's not true, it still intrigues the hell out of me. And like I said, it's it, it it's uh, John Armstrong has a hell of a research library. They're online at Baylor University, the Pogue the Pogue Library. You can see it online. You can download documents. You know you can search it thoroughly. And I encourage everyone to do so. It's a great place uh, for a repository of relevant assassination documents that are very, very intriguing, okay? And it's not just about Harvey and Lee. He's got stuff in there on just about every player that you've ever heard of, you know, associated with, with the assassination. Now, the assertion is that Harvey was born of of uh, Hungarian descent to immigrant parents here because the person that went and came back from Russia that went to and came back from Russia had a Russian speaking ability that only either a native person would have had or somebody that had learned the language at a very very young age being spoken to by whoever was taking care of him or his parents. I mean, it was like that kind of level. It's not some it, the level of Russian that this guy was speaking is not something you could learn in a in a, you know, an 8-month crash course at the Monterey School of Languages, okay? It's hard to it's hard enough to get the Russian language down spoken uh you had you had to get down the written spoken you had to understand what people were saying you had to understand dialects i mean marina even said he had like a baltic accent you know that she she thought he was a native i mean it was that good you know you don't get that in a couple months in the monterey school languages you know this this cat whoever they sent over there you know knew russian okay he knew it okay he pretended like he didn't you know and for somebody who can speak a language fluently it's pretty easy to play dumb okay because John Armstrong also uncovered I think it was a it was a friend or a maid of, of, of Anna Zygers you know one of one of Leah Marina's friends uh, from his time in Russia and she stated that she never heard Lee Oswald speak Russian never and it was Marina who was translating whatever they were saying into English for Lee. Okay? Miss, I don't know no English. Marina. Okay? Now, we all know Lee spoke Russian. And we all know, hello, Marina speaks English. Okay? It's not a big secret. But, like I said, it's pretty easy to do, you know, to play dumb you know, even to speak poorly or attempt to speak a language poorly if you know it fluently. You know, I could sit here and and, and play a real good dumb redneck that doesn't really know how to talk and stuff, and I'm going to get uh, down over there. Uh, you know, it, it's not hard to do it from language to language. And uh, so I, I don't know exactly what, what the hell was going on over there. I'm sure, you know, it's spycraft at its finest. And, uh, you know, Cold Warrior stuff. And 
when discussing Harvey and Lee, okay, Harvey is the guy arrested in Dallas, okay? Now, when you, when you, you make that assertion and make that claim, the most obvious question, next question, is this. Well, what in the hell happened to Lee? If that's Harvey, where's Lee? Okay. Now, the popular theory is that Lee Oswald was helping to set up Harvey, his lookalike. Okay. His namesake, his, his lookalike. And that Lee was the crafty intelligence agent. Excuse me. He was a crafty intelligence agent. He knew exactly what the hell was going on. He knew exactly what he was doing. Okay. And that after the assassination, he was either disappeared, uh, name changed, uh, plastic surgery, or they just offed his ass. You know, it's hard to say. And for the Lee Oswald lived theory, <clears throat> excuse me. I ran across some interesting stuff about a man named Don Donald Norton. Okay. And this story comes from, I think it's Mae Russell. Uh, I think it was John Judge and Bill Kelly, William Kelly, researchers. And I think May was speaking in Ohio somewhere. Uh, you know, had a, had, a, had a little uh, speaking engagement there. And said they were leaving... They were leaving the place, and uh, they were approached by this guy. I was like, "Hey, hey, May, hey, uh, you remember me? My name is Don Norton. Uh, you know, I, I'm the guy that you know was he was he had sent her some money, and uh, you know wrote her letters uh, claiming to be Lee Oswald. Okay, now what happened next is is quite incredible, and and William Kelly." doesn't barely remember this like encounter i mean he remembers it but he, he he wasn't in the moment as it was happening he was he didn't really realize the significance of what you know this guy was trying to say or what he was claiming and that they went to like a small cafe or what 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 not to have to have a little coffee or what whatever and you know the guy proceeded to recite you know, so I forget what it was. I, th- I don't know if it was when he was on the radio, like a part of his speech then, or part of his speech from uh, uh, when he went to uh, shit. What's that place? I think it was in Alabama. He went to that place to give a speech. I don't know. He was he, but he was quoting word for word, and they said if you really studied the guy, he, he looked like him, he talked like him. Uh, you know, but, you know, of course he claimed his name was Donald Norton and, you know, there were subtle differences, like, like there had been some plastic surgery or something. And this was in the early seventies. So this would have been, you know, almost 10 years after the assassination. Well, you know, the story became something of like lore, you know, and I, I think May was pretty much convinced that Dan, this really could be Lee Oswald. And, uh, you know, researchers throughout the years have tried to, 
try to narrow down who the hell this Don Norton is. And, you know, some claimed he went on to be a, a fisherman in Florida. And, and then there was another candidate to be this Don Norton. Uh, and it was a fella. He had like sandy blonde hair, glasses. I have a picture of him. And, uh, I mean, they went so far as to compare, you know, the autographs or, or the handwriting styles. All kinds of interesting stuff. But I'll post, I'll post the links for all that stuff up on the 22 November site along with this podcast. So you can check it out for yourself. I urge everyone to read that story uh, by Bill Kelly, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Like, it's, it's mind-blowing. You know, you're like, whoa, I had no idea. You know, all this Donald Norton stuff was really intriguing, you know, when I started looking into things. But, uh, like I said, I'll post all that up on the website. And speaking of the website, let's take a little hiatus here real quick. Speaking of the website, 22NovemberNetwork.wordpress.com blowing up we recently had i tell you 2014 for the 22 november network was big and i'm talking about 20,000 visitors big okay that's huge in the six months we were up and running 20,000 people came to the website 20,000 people read our stuff listened to our shows and from the bottom of my heart thank you to each and every one of you Okay, it means a lot, you know, and like, and like I told Doug when we first started doing this, I said, look, man, I said, if we get this stuff going on the website, I said, make sure we tag everything that we do, no matter how small, no matter how simple, make sure we tag every post with relevant information. You know, if, if my podcast, Harvey and Lee is about Harvey and Lee, okay, I'm going to tag it. I'm going to tag it John Armstrong. I'm going to tag it Harvey and Lee. I'm going to tag it Lee Harvey Oswald. I'm going to tag it JFK assassination. I'm going to tag it conspiracy theory. I'm going to tag it Donald Norton. I'm going to tag it Bill Kelly. Tag it May Russell. Okay, but so when people search for this stuff out there, okay, and they type in May Russell, Donald Norton, okay, they're going to find this little podcast on, you know, when they Google it. And they'll become more informed. And they'll, they'll go to the website to get the link for the show. And I said, I said, you're not going to believe how much this is going to grow. Okay. And once it gets big enough, it will take on a life of its own. It will be a presence on the internet, a repository of information, a wealth of knowledge that is going to be here in perpetuity. And it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay. That's what it is. You know, and, that's what we wanted. You know, we, we like to spotlight people doing good things and people doing good research. And hopefully that's what you're going to find at the 22 November Network. Now, we started off with five. We ended the year with six. Uh, because we thought our man, SR Dusty Road, was doing some great work. You know, on his own, investigating and researching you know, aspects of the JFK assassination. And you can hear more of Dusty coming up. He was great on the Dallas action the first time. You're going to hear him very soon again within the next week or two, I think, uh, on the Dallas action with Doug. So make sure you check it out. 
Okay, we got he's got Dusty coming up. He's got David Josephs coming up, and he's got me coming up. Your boy Rob Clark. Me and Doug talk all kinds of stuff about Fred Lee Chrisman. He wanted to know who the hell Fred Chrisman is. Well, I told him who the hell Fred Chrisman was, and we had a sweet conversation. So make sure you check it out on Doug's show. I'll be on on the 11th, okay, of January coming up. I guess that's next week roughly probably midweek next week so make sure you check that out and there's also something else I want to touch on when we're talking about Harvey and Lee here and that's all the shenanigans going on after the assassination okay you know when we have the uh, the stuff going on in the th- at the theater where we have a witness, uh, you know, of Oswald being, I should air quotes, Oswald being taken out the back of the theater, excuse me, in an alley and stuffed in a squad car. Okay? Now, we all know Oswald was taken out the front of the theater. At least Harvey, you know, the guy that was arrested. So who the hell was taken out the back of the theater? And why do we not have more... Uh, interviews with people in the theater other than George Applin. Where's the full list of people who were in that theater? Why is there discrepancies that some police reports say that Oswald was, was arrested in the balcony of the theater and not on the floor, as we all know about? And, you know, it's been said that you can see Oswald, or there was a Oswald sighting, I guess you could say, I think it was in a red Ford Falcon. Somebody called it in, said it looks just like him. Here's a license plate. Well, it's registered to um, one of J.D. Tippett's neighbors, Carl Mather, who works at Collins Radio. You know, little things like this, you know, make this case crazy. And then we get the Robert Vinson story, okay, which is a mind blower. All right, now if you haven't heard the Robert Vincent. Uh, you know, Dallas getaway story. Okay. Here it is in a nutshell. Okay. Because I think he wrote a book called Flight from Flight from Dallas or something, something to that effect. And there's some interviews uh, on YouTube. I'll post up too on the website. Uh, interviewing Robert Vinson. And he was, you know, just a... Uh, he was in the armed forces. I forget what branch he was in. Um, and he was hitching a ride back to Colorado. And he got he got put on this transport plane. Military transport plane. And so he's sitting there waiting waiting to take off. And, and here come two, two other guys. Uh, in civilian clothes, get on, get on, on the plane, and he said, "Damn, if one of them didn't look exactly like Lee Harvey Oswald, okay, you know, and, and along with another fella, you know, like a, a Latin type fella." And he said that they made a stop in uh, was it Roswell, New Mexico, and these two were dropped off, okay. And then, of course, you know, he went on to, uh, to Colorado or whatever, and he asked his, his 
you know, commanding officer, you know, he's like, man, I was just on a plane with somebody who looked almost exactly like Lee Harvey Oswald. He's like, I thought he was arrested in Dallas, you know, and they're like, he was like, look, you didn't see nothing, don't say nothing, you know, you didn't see anything. Nobody would believe you anyway. And he kept quiet for many, many years. And uh, then he came forward with his story. So what the hell was that about, right? Well, it's hard to say. Um, one theory is that it was uh, that it was Billy Seymour and uh, either Lauren Hall or Lawrence Howard, or who knows? You know. So there's that, and then we have. Okay, we have the Michael Eddowes fiasco, okay, with uh, the exhumation of Lee Harvey Oswald, okay, this big song and dance pony show in the early 80s, okay, where Michael Eddowes had written this book, and in the book he asserted that the man that came back from, from Russia was not Lee Harvey Oswald, that he was he was a Russian agent. Okay, and that this Russian agent, you know, supposedly shot and killed JFK. Okay. <clears throat> now he uh he fought and fought and fought trying to get Marina to you know to go ahead and let them exhume the body and determine whether or not the man in the grave was actually, actually Lee Harvey Oswald. Now, how could they do that? <clears throat> well, dental records, he had that mastoid surgery behind his ear. He had a scar. Well, I'm sure his body was decomposed, you know, but he had shot himself in the arm. Um, mainly, you know, we're talking dental records, and uh, you know, we're talking the the, uh, the mastoid surgery. That's where they cut a cut a piece of the skull out from right behind the ear, and uh, you know, of course, it leaves a scar on the skin, but it also damages the skull when they do it. Now, what's interesting is about the exhumation of Lee Harvey Oswald. Okay, is it? When when Lee Oswald was buried, he was buried in a coffin. Uh, how do you say this? I guess it was uh, it was one of those guaranteed for a thousand years kind of coffins, to where you know it wouldn't let in uh, you know wouldn't let in any rainwater, it wouldn't let in any worms, or <clears throat> it wouldn't decompose for at least a thousand years guaranteed. Okay, well. <laughs> It didn't make it very long, okay? Let's see, 63 to 80, maybe 20 years. Uh, they went to pull this coffin out of the ground, and the whole damn bottom of it fell out, okay? The head falls off the body, or is separated from the spine, and everybody's like, hmm, that shouldn't have happened. What's up with that? Well, that is a very, very good question. What is up with that? And now I've heard some crazy theories, you know, of of uh, people, you know, digging the body up, 
and putting the real head of Lee Harvey Oswald in the coffin and taking the fake one out, okay, which would lend to the credence to the theory of Lee Oswald not making it too much past uh, November 22nd, 1963. Uh, you know, quite frankly, it could have been anybody's head. You know, any corpse's head, you know, they could have did little alterations, you know, whatever. But, anyhow, it was determined. And Robert Oswald did fight the exhumation. Okay, he, he, he tried to take it to court, but Marina had ultimate say, uh, wife over family. And so she's the one that ultimately allowed for it after Marguerite Oswald had passed away. And they determined the head in there is Lee Harvey Oswald. But, of course, there's controversy surrounding it, you know, with the, with the supposedly indestructible coffin being the whole bottom of it basically falling out. Um, the body was very badly decomposed. It wasn't a skeleton, pure skeleton yet, but, you know, there was some muckety-muck. I might post some photos of that up there, too. Let y'all look at them for them, you grisly... You grisly uh, photo seekers out there. Um, so, what can we take away from all this? You know, there's theories that, you know, Lee Oswald lived past November 22nd, 1963. And in order for that to happen, there had to have been two of them. You know, there's theories out there that no, it was just a double. Somebody looked like him. There was no, really, no Harvey and Lee going back to grade school. Yet we have testimony from schoolmates, teachers. Uh, you know, there's several interviews online that John Armstrong has with people that knew this little tiny kid that liked to be called Harvey, and they knew this big bully type kid that that was <laughs> went by the name Lee, <clears throat> who was getting in fights and stuff, and was the biggest kid in his class. Whatever side you fall down on and on, it's all very, very interesting. And I would urge each and every one of you to go out there and check it out for yourself. Head over to HarveyandLee.net for a start, for a taste. And if you like what you're reading, what you're seeing, if it intrigues the hell out of you, buy the book. You know, it is invaluable. If you're a JFK researcher... Either way, it's invaluable. Um, so head over there, check out HarveyLee.net. You know, get the uh, the uh, a read up on the articles. Get the book. Look out for David Josephs coming up on the Dallas action. Okay, don't want to miss it. You know, there, there, there's a <clears throat> excuse me, a couple Facebook groups. Uh, Harvey and Lee Cold Warriors run by David Joseph. There's Harvey and Lee. Uh, run by uh, Marty Bragg and with John Armstrong's blessing you know and there's numerous resources you know pulling from John Armstrong stuff on the internet like I said you can go to Leno Sanic you can hear from the man himself there's uh, also some of the uh, lectures he's given at conferences okay or on the internet all you gotta do is seek them out check them out um so yeah, that in a horrible looking misshapen wall nutshell 
is my interpretation of Harvey and Lee. You know, I, believe me, it's a, it's a mind f. If you really get into it, it's it's very hard to comprehend and make sense of all of it. And for those that do, and for those that have, it's it's a very very it makes an impact on you. It stays with you. It's something you can't shake. It's something always at the back of your mind. You're like, damn. What about Harvey and Lee? What about Harvey and Lee? What about Harvey and Lee? You know? But, uh, so check it out. Thank you once again, everybody, for listening. I encourage everyone out there to get the Stitcher app, okay? You can find it in the Google Play Store or on iTunes. Download that. You find me on there. Search for the Lone Gummin Podcast. You will find it. Add me to your, uh, your favorites list. And then just check back every week, man. You see you got a new episode. You can listen on there. I think it streams better than Spreaker, if you ask me. But check us out there. Uh, me and Doug both on Spreaker and Stitcher. 22NovemberNetwork.com. This son of a bitch is in the can up to the satellite. Being down directly to your ears, 2015. People, it's your boy Rob Clark. Peace. right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Let's talk credit card debt for a minute. If you feel you're carrying too much of it, you're not alone. The average household in the U.S. carries over $8,000 in credit card debt. Ready for some good news? With a cash-out refinance from Quicken Loans, you can quickly and easily put some of the equity in your home to good use by paying off a lot of that high-interest credit card debt. A great way to take cash out is with our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%. APR, 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN to learn how taking cash out with a 30-year fixed mortgage might be the right solution for you. And for a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 0.88% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030.